1: This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride and today joined by Dave Prentice, Adam Jones and Gav Buckland as we reconvene around the podcast table to look ahead to Saturday evening's game with West Ham. We'll also be talking new kit deals and of course a very special documentary which will be airing on your screens on Saturday night about Liverpool and the Blues. Um, Prentice, I want to speak to you about West Ham. Which player from West Ham's team would
0: you most like to be
1: in Everton's eleven?
0: 100% Marko Arnautovic. Um, he's the kind of player we need. Um, okay, attitude issues, but that's up to a manager to try and address and to try and um, get the best out of. But I just like him as a talent. He's uh, he's physical. He's, he's a proper unit who puts himself about. He's got ability um, he's the kind of striker that we probably lack at the moment in terms of you know if you like a more mobile you know it's a much more skillful version of Cheng Tosin. Um, just got a lot of time for him. I mean, last match of last season, he made the difference. Uh, you know, and scored a couple of great. Well, okay, Jordan, Pickett, the goalkeeper might have something to say about one of them, but yeah, you know, it was a it was a good performance. And he just he makes things happen. Um, the, the only issue, of course, is you got to get inside his head and you know so motivate him and make him do it week after week. David Moyes did that when he was at West Ham and got him performing on a regular basis. Uh, so, yeah, you know, there are other players and other talents there. I know who you probably thought I might have said, uh, but I'm not going to. So, no, Arnautovic is the guy I like. Well, I was actually going to come on to Arnautovic,
1: but Preno has given his a response already. Um, all right, let's stick with Arnautovic before I get Adam and Gav to pick me your players from the West Ham team that you would like. Ronald Koeman was interested in Arnautovic Mm. in his first summer, but the wages he was demanding were astronomical, apparently, and Mm. Everton just went, no thanks.
2: Would you have liked to have seen him in a blue shirt? No. I I think that kind of wage issue is the exact kind of hole that Everton ended up falling into, getting getting players in who really did the decent quality. I don't think he's anything particularly special. Uh, I think they were just... He's a kind of middle-of-the-road road Premier League striker who's demanding massive wages. He's only been at West Ham for how long? Maybe two years, and he's already he's already pining for a move to China so he can get absolutely massive money. He's just a, he's a mercenary in my eyes, and I don't think Everton need that kind of player at all. I don't think he'll ever be. He'll never be the player who's you know playing for the fans or playing for the badge. He's always playing for the cash, and that's just not the kind of player I want Everton to be signing at
1: all. West well, Ham fans seem to like him before he tried to jump ship to China, though, Are we doing him a disservice by saying that he would never play for the supporters? I'm going to
3: sit on the fence saying I think both Adam and yeah. Pano are right in <laughs> that. Nah. Even though it, we both give it, completely polar yeah. opposites. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but but, but he, he is both, isn't he? Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, well, off the last 12 months, he's been both. He's a mercenary uh, he's, talent. He's, he's talent. Yeah, yeah, he's a mercenary talent. Mercurial, would we say, yeah, in uh, yeah. football parlance. Yeah, um, and... I, I do like him, but I agree with that, that I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily have him at heaven. I think um, if you wanted my opinion, there's one player you'd have at West Ham, isn't it? Go on then, lovely, lovely dovetailing De- to that. Definitely nice, all day long. Okay, well... <laughs> well you
1: know, that's, that's the guy yeah, that I yeah, thought yeah. you I thought I was say straight yeah. to Go on yeah. then, Gav, explain to me why it you... it's part
3: of the pitch that we need somebody and uh, it's essential that we need somebody in that position and so he, he fits the age range and, you know... Um, just, just, I just really like him as a player, but obviously he's not going to, you know. I think if his next move, put it this way, will not necessarily be to, you know, where we are and where we are at the moment. Do you think West Ham will struggle to keep hold of him? Yeah, this summer,
1: perhaps.
2: Yeah. Well, now that he's got an England cap behind yeah. him, I think that makes matters a bit harder yeah. for them as well. What would
1: you say going rate right? young English holding midfielder?
3: He's going for fifty million plus. I Yeah, reckon. I would say yeah. Yeah, maybe a little bit extra. I mean, yeah, you all have add-ons and deals, don't you? I mean, mm. it's not. And, and we talk about sponsorship deals, like I mean, that's one of the things on that. And yeah, I would think so. <clears throat> it's actually good news for for us, really, in some respects. If you think about the value of some of the players that we've got, who are in same age, mm. who are like sort of maybe even a little bit more established Premier League players. So yeah, um, yeah definitely nice all day long. Okay, so we've had Arnautovic, Rice, somebody
2: different, Felipe Anderson, hundred percent. Is Absolutely, their best player. He's got so much skill, pace, quality on the ball. Scores some great goals. Absolutely ripped us apart at Goodson earlier this season. I just don't see why, why we, why yeah. we wouldn't absolutely. Yeah. Like we'd find a place for him. Like he's just, he's a fantastic footballer. And I think he's he's another one who's going to go on to bigger and better things after West Ham.
3: Really. Sounds like we're going to get battered on Saturday. <laughs> 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 on the flip side, so just a, just on oh, well, on the flip side of that if you were a West Ham fan, i, right, that's okay, that's a I see be. I we, we think about a lot so so often. If you were a West Ham fan, say which Everton player would they have? What would you think they would say? Great. They'd say they say Richarlison to play on the other
2: opposite flank to Anderson, surely.
1: Yeah, possibly. Who's that? What's their goalkeeper? Who's their goalkeeper at the minute? Fabian Fabianski. Yeah.
2: I'd rather have yeah. Pickford. Yeah, I mean Luke they, they Luke it, Dean. Like Possibly, yes. a Don't lot it. of the a yeah, lot yeah. of the defense, I'd I'd say Everton have the upper hand on because I can't particularly name West Ham's starting defense at the minute.
3: Yeah. Is Cresswell still playing? Is yeah. he still getting a game? Yeah, yeah. yeah but, Dean would be would be a decent shot wouldn't it? Yeah, I think that'd be the most Premier League clubs would do if they said they could have for the, for the purposes of balance. Yeah, if you'd have two Everton players, I think, but most Premier League clubs say Dean and Richarlison. Do you think? Yeah, I think yeah.
0: Think so no, not Sigurdsson.
3: Uh, seems to have a lot of fans you yeah, know so yeah, say, yeah, it, it yeah. Depends, it Tottenham depends. fans
0: paying for him still It depends yeah. It
2: depends what club you are isn't it and like what your yeah. club needs really isn't it mm. The
1: problem for, for anybody looking at Sigurdsson now is he's he's coming into the peak years of his career if not past, past the peak, yeah, peak yeah. years what, what are you getting out of him in terms of longevity for the fee you'd have to pay yeah. Just st- sticking with Dean I wrote about it the other week actually Is Dean the player you'd be most concerned about other clubs coveting this summer?
3: That's interesting Yeah yeah, definitely.
0: Concerned because, you know, we don't really have obvious, you know, sort of backup. Or no, I'm just, just concerned because
3: or...
1: the acceptance, if you like, that Luka Dean hasn't come to Everton to thinking that we're definitely going to be in the Champions League. You know, he's come to restart his career with the hope that we, we can take him where he wants to go. But the reality being that probably in two years time when he's into his peak years, he will get offers, won't he?
3: Yeah. If not this time. well, he's he's probably our best player this season, isn't he? Uh, he's in a position as we was saying that, you know, we're not not got the strongest back up. Um and for those reasons he would be the he'd be the person that I would I would fear losing the most, to be honest with you. And full backs are so important. full backs are so important, aren't they, in the modern mm. game, the way it's played. Well, especially
2: and- the way Silver plays as well. Yeah.
3: And so, if you if you throw that all into the mix, then he will be the player I would I would fear losing the most. Mm. I'd I think for in a
2: similar sense, Pickford, I'd say I'd throw into that mix because we've really not got a solid backup for Pickford at all. And go, goalkeepers are at a premium really, and in, in the modern market, we'd have to be paying absolutely massive money to get a, a goalkeeper on the same level and with the same uh, prospects for the future as Pickford. Definitely.
3: Do, do, do you think that supporters will be? It's all hypothetical. This, yes. yeah, hypothetical. Is would supporters be upset about losing Pickford now less than what they would have been at the start of the season? Well, it's it's it it the, of the, yeah, it's the perception, the the isn't the it? Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. It's, it's strange, isn't it? I mean, Everson fans weren't particularly upset when Romelu Lukaku went because of you know his demeanour, because of his constant agitating for a yeah. move, and yet clearly he's the best striker we've had in the Premier League era. So they should have been upset. And I think there was, and
1: probably many of us around the table I probably was guilty of thinking well we've got money so we yeah, can so replace we'll it yeah. sure yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: and like, likewise Pickford it's just it's, it's flavour of the month isn't it the zeitgeist of the time and you know so clearly Pickford's not had a great season by the standards of his first campaign and therefore you know people might think yeah you know so I wouldn't be that upset but they should be because he's a great great young goalkeeper who's getting better and those problems that we've talked about around this table so many times I'm sure can be ironed out you know so fairly quickly yeah mm-hmm.
1: okay so we deviated slightly there from topic um, staying with West Ham uh, on uh, Tuesday's podcast we talked about how gleaming and spectacular and how inspiring Spurs' new stadium um, <clears> is Adam on the opposite side of things what is wrong about the London Stadium and, and, and what are the warning signs that Everton have to uh, avoid, if you like?
2: It's far too obvious that the London Stadium just wasn't built to be a football ground at all. And I think the the most prevalent thing in that sense is how far away the fans are from the pitch. You know, they've got to cover up the run and track every, every time. So you've just got a big, massive green space between the fans and the pitch and it just takes away... So much. Like Upton Park was never like that. Upton Park, like great. the fans were right up right on the edge of the pitch, you know. It, it felt like an intimidating place to be, like the London Stadium, it's just never felt like that, really, apart from when West Ham fans were absolutely losing it with how the club were doing and course, yeah. there was that there was that one game where there was Bit a fellow fell in the middle of the pitch with the corner flag. Yeah. <laughs> which is a yeah. great image. But, like, that's the only real time that they've managed to create, like, that sort of intimidating atmosphere, and it was for all the wrong reasons. Like, I just don't see I don't see how they can really make that sort of ground a hard place to go, necessarily for the uh, for the away away team, which is a shame really, but yeah, it's just it's the situation that they've Played themselves into makes it, really
1: makes it worse when Adam says that pronoun Given the pathetic nature of our performance there in May, That
0: oh, <laughs> was a problem, wasn't it? Yeah, but you know, it was the the dying embers of you know Sam Allardyce's regime, his last uh, his last act as an manager. In that one? So yeah, it was, uh, it, it was it was it was a very very flat performance and. I went to the Olympic Stadium when it was the Olympic Stadium for the Olympics and it was an atmospheric arena that, you know, the, the famous Saturday night, you know, when uh, there was three gold medals were won in the space of like about 40 minutes. It generated an atmosphere for athletics because you've got, you know, sort of a, a pole vault taking place on one side of the uh, stadium. You've got a you know, hundred meter sprint taking place on the other side. Uh, it was different because uh, clearly it was built for athletics. It's not built for football. So it, it, it's strange. I mean, the, those um, images that we saw of the other, the Tottenham Stadium, it does look like it's right on top of your, you know, sort of soaring steep sides. Mm. You know, it's built with football in mind. The Olympic Stadium wasn't. And talking about, you know, earlier we mentioned like, you know, the mood of the times about, you know, sort of players and, you know, so what you think about them at a particular time. Remember when West Ham moved to the Olympic Stadium and everybody was absolutely in shock, thinking, oh my God, they're going to be the next top four. You know, they're going to seem to break it because they've got a stadium for nothing. Uh, They can use all that money to pump into the squad. You know, that's that's incredible. We've missed the trick here. Tottenham actually wanted that that stadium initially and and didn't get it. Uh, In hindsight, it turns out to be a bad move. So, you know, mood of the times aren't always accurate, aren't always correct. And, you know, so I think West Ham fans, given their time again, would definitely look for something you know, sort of fresher and new and more purpose built.
1: Yeah, as as the lad said, Upton Park was it was just one of those proper grounds, and you always knew, even even in the um, fluctuating fortunes of of Everton and, or West Ham, you always knew you were going to be in a game.
3: Yeah, I'm off the pitch, if I recall. Yeah, um, yeah, course, yeah. yeah. Um, you don't you don't feel that no, when, when We no, go there now. No, and I think there's a couple of reasons for that. Is but. I, as, as I'm saying and Prano's saying about the, the, the nature of the of the, the staging but I think if you've given a stadium rather than construct one of, for yourself it's a slightly different view of things isn't it like we built Bramley Moor it's our ground we built it hopefully people have had input in the way it's built and stuff like that and therefore you're going to have like I hate that word ownership but the owners, you own the ground as such isn't it but I think if you're given the ground it's it, it's like you you, you I know you leasing it, you borrowing it, you know. Well, is I mean? that, why, is that why Man
0: City? I've got issues filling theirs because you know it's not the same as the Olympic Stadium. You know, it's it's a good stadium for football, but it was initially it was a Commonwealth. Yeah, stadium and, but they've so. able to alter it way, indeed. But they can't yeah, fill it, can yeah, they? Yeah. they got, yeah. They're playing the best football on the planet you yeah, they still they can't have full But
3: houses. that's that's a separate conversation. That's about the size of their supporter base, isn't it? Really? But and that, that support that's base it.
0: was always massive in the past. But you know, it's it's the same as ours. Did they were a third
3: tier team getting thirty and forty thousand gates? Yeah, you know. But they've got to commit. They're like us, they they're, they're, they're a localized, or, or up until recent years, a localized support, and that's reflected in, as you say, the fact that they can't fill. Well, they struggled to fill 55. I mean, I think they fill it regularly now. But
0: um, I just wonder whether it was the I stadium think, that was part of the issue. Well, that.
3: yeah. Well, but well, City, City first two years they filled it, didn't they? Mm. The, the, and the third year they went down. They they, lost, they dropped seven eight thousand seats you Know MCC to every game from the third year onwards, they only started going back up again to 47,000 when once the money came in in like 2009, 2010. So, so you are right, and um, but it, it is linked to the, the, the supporter base size. Um, but it was slightly different then, 2002 pre social media, all that type of stuff. It's a slightly different uh communications now, isn't it? Really, in terms of like how much supporters' views. Count now compared to what they did pre-social media as well. I think that's the other thing I'd say. We we never got this far because obviously the Commonwealth Games bid didn't didn't pan out as as the city had
1: hoped. But did we have reservations about that being part of our move to Bramley Moor and how the stadium would have looked? Did we ever get that far? But I mean, we would have all thought and imagined Mm. about it, wouldn't we? Yeah,
0: I mean. Well, well they, they talked about the wooden <clears> track <throat> being created yeah. and then being retractable and it being taken away. So yeah, you know, clearly a lot of talk went into it. Yeah, I suppose being honest, there were some reservations about you know, so it being used, but those reservations were overcome by you know the plans Everson told us were in place to overcome them, you know, mm-hmm. basically parachuting in the elements that were required yeah. uh, for the Commonwealth Games. But yeah, if I'm being totally honest, it, it probably did concern me a little. But, yeah.
1: And you feel that there would have been have to have been some concessions, as Gav says, we're going to build this from scratch for us, and we have. Whereas you would have had to have some concessions for, to make it suitable for the for the Commonwealth. I
0: mean, it would have been a compromise, yeah. And yeah, you know, so if you're building a football stadium that you want the fans to be proud of, there can't really be any compromises. You know, so Tottenham haven't. It's cost them an absolute fortune. It's taken them longer than they thought it was going to take. But I think ultimately they are satisfied with what they have produced. And you know, so Everton, you know, hopefully now are in the same position you know, and can do something that's as good, if not better.
3: Yeah, I just, can I just say one final point about West Ham, which I think we need to bear in mind say we start looking at ticket places for, for Brandy Moore and all that is they've moved to the Olympic Stadium for like 55, not more than that, mm-hmm. is it 59, something like that? And they're, they're, their gate receipts aren't that much more than what they were getting at Upton Park mm. from 35000 because... And that's because they, they cut said, the books,
0: don't they? They claim they've got more in yeah, there yeah, than yeah. actually well, getting well, in.
3: They're the selling tickets to yeah. fill the stage. It's a bit like yeah. PR at the moment, to be fair. It, it, so it doesn't necessarily mean like... I mean, this way, I think the other dissatisfaction perhaps is they, they were told, this is a great business deal of the dissension and all that. And that we thought, top because they'll generate a whole lot load of income. But they haven't really. Compared to what they did at Upton well, Park, well, they haven't, and they struggled yeah. to get a naming rights partner. Yeah, haven't they? well, that's another fact that we need to con- consider as well. So there are there are things that actually we that will affect us and how we approach Bramley more. and looking at spares and by stamp collectively is and how they've operated is all is all good information for us really, isn't it? When I mean, you to think about, about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, they they sell tickets what, five, ten pounds, like we do at Goodison, really
1: interesting uh, last one on, on West Ham and their stadium ad um, for people who haven't for the Everton, Everton fans who haven't been down there um, certainly when I went there uh, the season before last the away supporters are almost in two sections they're in the yeah. same side of the ground they're on they're above each other and below each other yeah the upper tier she- and the lower tier is like there's completely huge gap. segregated yeah yeah so it's it? not like any other ground that, that they would experience in that regard
2: no no and I, I wonder whether that's like a ploy from West Ham to try and separate the away fans as much as possible because it it, do, it does detract from how, how much you can really support your side. To be fair, because like you'll have you know thousands and a half in each section really, rather than just having three thousand banded together. So yeah, it, it is a kind of unique ground in that sense, and it,
1: uh, not unique in a good way. Though. Uh, no, uh,
2: no, uh, it just. I think it just furthers the point that this really shouldn't have been a football stadium. And I think even like looking at the exterior, like around the ground, it's just like a big empty space because it used yes. to be like the Olympic Park, didn't mm-hmm. it? And it's like that just doesn't strike to me as, you know, a match day. Like a match day, like you're walking, walking in big groups of years going to like the. Through the shopping centre. <laughs> yeah, <center>. <laughs> going. <laughs> yeah, walking through Westfield to get to, yeah. to, get to the ground. Uh, but yeah, just like. It should be like you know going to pubs and walking past pubs and you know getting a chippy in or whatever like that, and mm. it's just, it's just it, it's completely not what a match day should be mm. for West Ham, and they've probably changed it a bit over like the two two years or yes. so that they've been there. You know they've tried to improve it in any way, shape or form that they can, but it, it it's not what I'd want to see from Bramley moor
0: anyway. It's it's when you think of how traditional uh, the support you know around Upton Park was. Mm. I mean, I never mentioned before Nathan's Pie and Deal Emporium at the end of the ground, which was just the top <laughs> place that you had to visit. Yeah. But there were those pubs on, you know, literally all four yeah. corners. There was the side street full of, you know, sort of the marketing. You know, sort of are market yeah, was- off
1: the tube when you walk down the exactly. main road. Yeah, I mean, it was yeah. just,
0: you know, so it was a proper, you know, sort of working class East London environment, uh, you know, the kind of environment from which a lot of West Ham support was plucked from. And this isn't, this is like a, it's a very middle class shopping environment mm-hmm. and, and and it's strange um, you know, it, it doesn't generate a, a proper matchday atmosphere. It's it, something that West Ham are going to have to overcome. And fortunately, something that you know, so Everton don't have any issues with. I mean, clearly the Bramley Moor site is earmarked entirely for football, and no other things will be built up around there. Uh, but that will only you know so encourage the matchday experience. You know, so rather than dilute it. Indeed. So uh,
1: West Ham uh, against Everson, Saturday at five thirty. And before we end the podcast, I'll get the lads. Predictions, um, but moving on. Um, Thursday evening, Everton announced a new multi-year deal with kit supplier Umbro, an extension of a partnership which had been reforged in 2014. Um, Gav, does it matter who is our kit supplier? Does it matter what emblem is, next? is it on the other side to the badge?
3: Uh well, f- speaking from a business or traditional sense, or the everything, yours. <laughs> I think, I think traditionally, you know, Umbro's are some of our best kits have been mm. Umbro, haven't I mean, we? The old mm. diamond stuff. And, um, to me, it doesn't really matter. I just want the best financial deal for heaven, to be fair. And if that's with Umbro, which it would appear to be, because I mean, you've had, we've had Nike and me one stage, yep. yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, um. One of our, but imagine we are one of their biggest customers as a win in football terms, if not the biggest. Then if that's the best deal, I haven't shopped around, which I'm sure Everton did, then you know I fully support that. It's it's just the concern for me is like it's separate podcasting in itself is what what we get compared to did I say the clubs above us mm. on the table get and talking the top six. It, it, it's it's a small proportion, isn't it really?
1: But does the design and how much love and attention has gone into the design of the kits by the supplier matter at all if the deal is maximum to what we can get? Not, if, if, if Nike said, right, we'll give you more than Umbro, <laughs> but you will get an kit it won't be, it'll be five minute job by the intern. Yeah. But you're getting more money out of us than you would win, bro. What do you do?
0: Well, clearly that does, you know, sort of impact upon sales of the kit because, you know, so you will sell more kits if it looks good and if the fans actually like it. To me, I don't think it makes that much of a difference, to be honest. Um, I know the hipsters out there always talk about Lecoq Sportif and, you know, so, you know, what a wonderful era that was. I think largely because they were winning trophies then as well as the kit looking good. Um, I think fans will buy the kit regardless. I mean, uh, even that abysmal kit that was produced in the uh, the '97-'98 season. It wasn't even royal blue. It was light blue, and it had yellow in it. And it was oh, it was horrible. People yeah. bought it, so you know. It, I think Emerson fans are so loyal that they'll buy the kit regardless. I suspect you'll sell more if the kit looks better. You know, so if it looks good, people will want to buy presents, you know, so for people, because it looks better. So in that respect, it probably makes a bit of a difference. But I think Umbro are quite capable of making good-looking kits and stylish-looking kits. I don't think there's anything in their history to suggest that they're, you know, sort of fashion disasters. I don't know. Uh, tell me otherwise. No, you- last season's kit wasn't, wasn't great. You know what? <laughs> I can't say it was a good, bad or indifferent. just it was okay. You know, it wasn't anything... It to... a bit more like a trading top. When, when, you top. Get to, when you get to my age, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> <what's> <laughs> the, it's one for the younger fan like yeah. yourself. What about, so... what about a
1: global audience? I know we can't speak for a global audience, but do you think if Everton were attached to one of the big... I don't know, Umbro, obviously, a big in their own right, but do you think if we had Nike or Adidas slapped or even Under Armour now across uh, the other side of our chest, that makes a
2: difference? I, I, no, so I don't think it, it necessarily... It didn't necessarily happen when... We last got night, did it? I can't seem to remember anything like that happening.
3: Your global appeal is based on how successful yeah. you are and your, mm. your, you know, your appearances in Europe, specifically the Champions League and the Champions League like lots of stages. What kit, what kit you have? I really think is irrelevant. Having haven't said that. I do. You know, when you have, a, I don't know if you ever see the comparison the kit deals between like the top clubs and the. But the what's the, what's the United something seventy five a year? is yes, like, yeah. You know, but I think Barcelona's hundred. Think our deal with that's just going to be replaced as six. Isn't so it? That's like we've that. reported which, six, which a year, is about yeah. have, which is about the going rate for a club in our position. You know, um, and sometimes the comparison can be a bit misleading because it depends where you are in your deal. You know, you could be thirty million this year, but actually you could be like sixty million next year. You know, so I don't think it matters what 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 um, brand of kit you've got. It, it matters how successful they are. Having said that. I d- I, I just think generally commercially. You know, clubs are not not in the top six of the Premier League. We're still <coughs> part of like one of the biggest, most successful sport and franchises in the world, aren't we? You know, and those clubs we're talking about to in mega Well, we we play them twelve times a season, a third yeah. of our games. Have mm. got their global reach, and and, I'm, and, I'm, and sometimes I think collectively those clubs outside the top six. I, I wonder sometimes whether we're committed enough to raise our commercial. Income on that basis, to make that argument, um, because massive, massive, massive global sport franchise are part of. Surely, clubs outside the top six can make a better go of it as what what they appear to be doing at the moment across all commercial deals. You know, mm. okay. the, the, the disparity is too big for me, and mm. not necessarily explaining just being successful.
1: But, being, but sh- is it you not? Know, is it not kind of boiled down to? global fan base. United have got the biggest global fan base in the world, probably. Well, the, the, and, you know, the, 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 and, we, and we've seen um, yeah. Sasha Ryzensov at the launch of the new Fanatics deal, which seems yeah. a very good deal for the club, speaking about trying to go in and move into
3: different markets. Yeah, well, it's, it's both. It, it, it's both, isn't it? But, to me, I just don't, don't think those clubs outside the top six perhaps make enough commercially, enough money commercially being... As part of like the massive reach of the Premier League, and I, I, and if you're a shirt, shirt manufacturer now, if you have your name on it like a top team shirt, you don't you don't get your money back just through selling the shirt. So yeah, it's it's advertised in your brand, isn't it? Mm. You know, so you might buy a pair of trainers that because you seen the you know, you see the logo yeah. on it, you know, Manchester City shirts or something like that. So I, I, do, I just I just think collectively. People, you know, all clubs can improve their commercial performance. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be related to being successful on the pitch. I think this is already
2: necessarily an improvement for Everton, though. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, of didn't, didn't, didn't Everton have a weird deal a few years ago with kit bag like, Yeah, yeah. So that our shirts like weren't even getting put in stores. Like it was just the Everton shop and then on kit bag. Like that was, yeah, that was a really weird decision. No,
3: and it's a better to deal for us because I think that I think we got. More accessibility abroad now, isn't it? Yes. Past mm-hmm. yeah, fanatics, yeah. yeah, so I think there's a lot, lot more. I'm just thinking, not just about shirt sales, about collectively the commercial aspect yeah. of football. The clubs outside the top six, people mm-hmm. should be making a better but of it.
1: But as you, as you mentioned, talking about those 12 games, the bulk of of what people will see globally is the shirt, though, isn't it?
3: Yeah, but that's so what you talk what I mean. about
1: showcasing us against the top, the top teams, own 12 times a season. We share in their global audience, but it's because of what's on the pitch, isn't it?
3: Yeah, yeah, but we still we still got that. Global. If we play, we play Man United twice a season. Yeah, or Chelsea twice a season, or Liverpool twice a season. The the global reach for us in those games is far is it's huge, isn't it? If you mm. think about it, that's why they get their their commercial money. And, and I'm not sure whether that are, I'm not sure how whether there's an argument there to say that to say that the commercial deals that are struck outside the top six in the Premier League are as good as what they should be, um, or maybe they are. I mean, and also as well, I would imagine, like a lot of these are performance-related, aren't they? Mm. So it might be, it, might, it could be, pluck a figure out of it, like nine million a year. Yeah. But it could be if you get in the Europa League, it's ten. Of course, yeah. If you get in the qualify, you know, get in the top uh, it, four, well, yeah, or the yeah. Champions League, it's twelve or fifteen. You know. Mm. Um, so th- s- these are these are not necessarily set in stone. These figures, or even they're probably base figures, th- aren't they? Yeah, they yeah. yeah. Of- so. I think, and also for top clubs, it's the opposite effect, isn't it? They mm, say, yeah. When you say City sixty five million, that's like sort of dependent on. Did, year, did United when they missed out in the Champions League, did they get? Yet yeah, they lose, they lose lost money, to money to the year. Year. City's sixty five million is dependent on. They think, oh like, like compared that to our ten, but that's dependent on so many different. last factors, sixteen in yeah, the Champions yeah. League or something. Or winning the Champions League, yeah. you know. So yeah. sometimes
1: comparisons can be a bit. Yeah, I'm, you know, hmm. a bit difficult. Interesting. I'm how much of a link between having popular players and shirt sales is important to the football club? And I'm thinking of Jenk Tosin. And last season, the club, um, it may even actually been earlier this season, actually, the club um told us about how shirt sales in Turkey and shirt sales with Tosin's name had, 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 had skyrocketed. Sales had, had, had been boosted because he has such a following. But the reality is something like Jenk Tosin probably doesn't have a future at the football club.
0: Yeah, it, it, it does make an impact. I mean, uh, clubs have bought players in the past for marketing purposes alone, you know, because they know they're going to sell, you know, so God knows how many shirts. Uh, you know, there was arguments that when Li Tai and Li Wai Fung came here, you know, part of the Cajun deal, that was purely to try and you know, so promote, you know, so obviously Cajun, but Everton's brand, you know, so in, in China... Um, It makes an impact, but as far as something like Chenctosin goes, I suspect it's quite negligible. Um he's hugely popular in Turkey. They love him there. They probably will shift a few Emerson shirts on the back of him playing for Everson, but nothing that's going to justify, you know, sort of the the wage that Emerson are paying him, Mm. which is significant. Mm. Uh it's all got to be down to what they produce on the pitch. I mean, there's only a handful of, you know, sort superstars in world football that you know will shift you. You know, sort of millions and millions and millions of pounds worth of issues I'm talking like Cristiano Ronaldo you know sort of Lionel Messi there's only a few players that can do that um, and sometimes you know having those players on board is probably you know, worthwhile because it will help you know sort of offset the vast wages they will dictate but you know for a club at Everton's position at the moment it probably doesn't make that much of a difference It was always
3: said
1: that about Beckham in Madrid wasn't it? Mm. That he was paying for himself yeah, almost
0: yeah. I think it worked more for Everton's
2: favour in the case of someone like Tim Cale who's, who fashioned himself to be an awesome like the Australian hero essentially for the Mm -hmm. national team and everyone just saw him wearing that Everton shirt week in, week out, putting his heart and soul into Everton week in, week out. Maybe a similar case with like Tim Howard as well, the longevity that he spent at Everton. Like I've I've heard many stories about Australian Everton fans and American Everton fans who say, oh, well, I first saw like Howard or Kane in the shirt and like that's when I decided to follow Everton and I'm not not sure whether that's going to be the same with Towson. Like, especially given the fact that his future at the club now certainly mm. seems to be in question.
3: The challenge for clubs always converting that incest into money, though, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, that's the thing ultimately, which well, we- is, is a bit difficult because like, like, you, talk about, you regularly see things, don't you? Um, not never made the most commercially of, of, like, say, Tim Howard being American number one keeper and not maybe number one player, but actually. It, to, to actually do that takes a hell of a lot of work and you might not necessarily get the get the rewards that goes into the You end up, you know what's the end i was thinking it's like just like some sort of spinal tap tour of america yeah. you know like <laughs> flogging <laughs> <laughs> flogging shit i was yeah. the back of a van in the middle of ohio or something like this you know it, it's 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 so difficult to do unless as pen was saying you are a world genuine worldwide mm. star and, and and making money out of that is just so difficult and probably doesn't justify the cost. And as you was saying, sometimes players are only there for a couple of years. So I had somebody somewhere say, they've never made the most of having Landon Donovan with us. We're only here for about six months. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's just, it, sure. it, it, it's easy to say. But when you think it through, it's very, very difficult unless you've got a world renowned player to make money from another country out of a player. The Royal
1: Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool
0: Echo. You know, just, just yeah, just to you know, jump across a little bit here. Uh, I don't know if it's on your agenda, Phil, mm. so apologies if it is. But you <laughs> mentioned Tim Cahill there. Obviously, he's announced his retirement uh, from football at the end of this season. Um, poor Adam's in tears here I am um, <laughs> come on then g- give us your, fam- your favourite Tim Cahill Everton moment of which there have been plenty 68 <sighs> goals wasn't it so it must be uh, I out? reckon we'll all have that's, a different that's, one yeah, that's so hard yeah, yeah, yeah. can you I'll, come back I'll, to me
1: uh, overhead at Stanford Bridge yeah Yeah. astonishing
0: goal yes yeah,
1: yeah I loved it Oh, come back to me I, I'll need to think about this
2: well I'm going I to go to right go, back I need to, to do it just I this. mean
0: there's there's loads of Liverpool goals I think yeah, he's got yeah. four or five against Liverpool you know which you know, so absolutely everyone but to me it was the, uh, the very very first one he scored uh, at Manchester City who he always scored against yeah. And um, it it was weird old times that because I think the Echo, not for the first time, had been banned from talking to the players (laughs) over uh, something I'd written about the players basically taking the piss out of the other fans there the previous series when they got beat 5-1 at Man City. And so, you know, they they weren't talking to the Echo. And um, David Moyes uh, had said, look, you know, I can't, you know, sort of order them to speak to you. You know, you're going to have to try and sort it out yourselves. And what I needed was like, you know, sort of a real... Backs to the wall, you know, sort of come from behind performance to try and prove that, you know, so, sort of, you know, we did actually really want to celebrate what the players were doing and try and, you know, write something positive about them. Anyway, that Man City game, if you remember, it was a typical Tim Cahill header, soaring header, his first goal of the club, whipped his shirt off, ran away to celebrate, and Steve Bennett being the curmudgeon that he always was. Yeah sent him off because, you know, he raised his, you know, sort of burred his torso uh, scoring the goal. So 10 men Everson then had to defend for best part of an hour and did and won the game 1-0. Anyway, we wrote the piece, you know, so you know, an incredible team spirit, incredible courage the Everton players shown and they accepted that as a, you know, come down from us and, <laughs> and normal service was resumed. <laughs> so, you know, so it had a, an, an impact on and off the pitch that game, but it also just gave us a little sneak peek of what we were going to see so many times from that player you know so throughout his Everton career arriving late in the box great spring getting on the end of things yeah. and finishing well it's, you've had loads of time there Gav so yeah, uh,
3: I could say I could think of the same one no uh, mm-hmm. for, I, I, to me he he more than anybody sort of made noise as manager of yes. it was founded like way number of way wins you see 1-0 Cahill yeah. Yeah. Mm. set piece header you know um, and, you know, strangely enough, he never sco- I think he scored eight or nine winners on away grounds in the Premier League. Didn't score, never scored the Premier League winner at Goodison. Right. Which right. says a lot, really, about his importance and yeah, yeah. and all that type of stuff. Uh, for me, I, because I knew it put so many red noses out was his <laughs> late header at Anfield. Oh. Uh, did the Anfield's old ends from oh, Arteta's Arteta Arteta yeah. Which was, when you look at it again now, it's a, it's a, technically it's a brilliant header. His movement ball, for that yeah, is amazing, is The isn't ball it? comes in at absolute pace and not the not the easiest height to get a header to. And he sort of crouched down and redirected a, a, a ball travelling at a pace into the, into the net and um, they lost the title there, didn't need to, man, uh, uh, United that year by a couple of points, and I like to think <laughs> <bad>. <laughs> but, uh, well, yeah, and that. But yeah, and the other thing about that was it was right at our ends, wasn't the corner, and the stewards curmudgeonly, to quote one of words, stopped them from boxing the uh, the corner flag, oh, didn't they? Really? Yeah, no, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. So that would be my abiding memory. And there's some great um, film on YouTube, isn't there, people at the sides of the pitch. With the uh, with cameras, a couple of irrelevant fans in the Liverpool Liverpool end, right? You know? mm-hmm. And it's well worth it for the choice comments from you know the the Red mm-hmm. Brethren really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that that's my favourite moment have <sighs> um, I've, go I've got about four or five, yeah. Which is which is, which is annoying.
2: Uh, it's like goal at Sunderland was amazing. Uh, i think' he's very got, important. He scored yeah. against yeah. Larissa. I think he'd been out injured for a little while, yeah. and he came back and scored against Larissa in that game. The Osman scored the amazing goal. But I think my favourite Tim Cale moment wasn't even a goal. It was when Lee Carsley scored against Liverpool and yeah, he, created the pile-y-on that, pile-y-on. he created that yeah. iconic image of just him on top of the pylon celebrating yeah. I think that, that's my favourite KO moment it's a great
0: picture it's, it's very reminiscent of the the American is it the Korean wars or Sands of Iwo Jima or something Iwo Jima with the flag on the hill I'm not sure that was good. going through the heads at <laughs> the time yeah. <laughs> you'd hope not but yeah it is, it's, it's a wonderful image it was so good uh, Everton actually asked us for a copy of that right. and um, they used to have it on display on the, uh, the staircase as so you went up in Belfield mm. uh, just for the players to see every day Honorable yeah. mention for his goal against Newcastle as well when we were getting
2: into the Champions. The League. last day too, yeah, good with his foot For a change, up. yeah,
3: it yeah. yeah. was a massive. I remember doing Ben Dominic King used to be here too, and uh, when we went to Sunderland May two thousand and nine. At the time, that goal, the KO goal on New Year's Day, it, it was actually halfway through Moise's reign yeah. to the game, and I just, I just threw off the pieces beforehand, just to show what a difference that goal made, because we ended the season really well, hadn't we? We'd been, yeah. been poor all year, hadn't we? Yeah. And we'd won 60, before then we won 61 and lost 68 under Moyes. And then from that goal to when we went and play, played the Sunderland in May 2009, we'd won 75, lost 41. <laughs> so it was a really, big big, around, really yeah. pivotal goal in, in Moyes' management career. Um, for Everton because it changed because it, we, we struggled for the year hadn't we mm. and we'd had, we'd had half a good season in two and a half years which is the first half of the Champions League year then after that we saw the really good team mm. we had for, you know, for the rest of the decade mm-hmm. so massive goal for us that
1: um, Excellent so uh, moving on um, into the final two topics uh, question for the panel Um a lot of chat about players on loan and obviously heading into summer about trying to offload players. But if there's one player currently out on loan that you say has to come back and stay, who is it? Um,
2: Vlasic. I'd, I'd make the argument for Vlasic. He, I think he looked fairly impressive a lot of times that he was actually given the opportunity last season. Obviously, it was difficult circumstances for everyone let alone a young player from a foreign league you know trying to trying to make his first steps in the premier league you know it absolutely can't have been easy for him there was a, i seem to remember a period the end of Kuman's reign where he got a bit of a decent run in the team and he actually looked fairly good i seem to remember he played center mid against arsenal in what was ended up being Kuman's last game and i think for the first half hour he looked he looked quite good in that position as well so maybe maybe it's a sign that he should be playing central you know if if Sigurdsson can't play then maybe Vlasic plays in that sort of Sigurdsson kind of role so you know he's played really well in uh, in Moscow uh, scored a winner against Real Madrid in the mm-hmm. Champions League which is no mean feat Like, I- I'd like to see him given another shot
1: Prano you make a case for Palacir or Morales or uh, Sandro
3: no. Ramirez no. Or- no. And no Cuco Martina
0: uh, no no <laughs> um- couple of games uh, off Assy Williams, no. no <laughs> there, there's so many out there. I mean, uh, and none of them are particularly tearing up trees. I mean, Kieran Dowd, I think we are probably given up the ghost on, you know, sort of ever doing it in the Premier League. Maybe that's a bit unfair. A lot of the other, you know, sort of younger players out there are doing okay without absolutely, you know, sort of again, tearing up trees. I suppose purely because... We don't know that much about him, and it's that you know, sort of intrigue and that mystique and not, you know what he might be Is it Henry Onyikuru? Um, You know, should we ever get a work permit? Uh, because you know he's breaking into the Nigerian national setup now. You know, sort of more regularly. Um, he scored goals, you know, big goals this season. You know, so sort of on loan, and he does seem to be a man that you know, sort of a young man attracts attention he also plays in an area of the pitch you know so we, we could certainly do with a little bit of extra quality a little bit of extra strengthening but i have to say i've only seen well you know probably a lot of fans have seen in the odd clip it's on television the odd bits on on youtube so you know i've never sat and watched him for an entire 90 minutes and said wow yes he can do this so i don't know for sure but just because because of that mm. really because of that x factor that mystery that i don't know a great deal about him I'd probably say Onyokuru because I know a lot more about some of the other players who are out on loan and haven't seen anything that suggests that, wow, yeah, you know, got to get him back. He's got to play. Joe Williams tore up shoes for a while at mm-hmm. Barnsley. I'm not sure quite how well he's done since. Anthony Robinson looked great initially, you know, So, but he's, be, he's made his debut for the USA now and not had great experiences on a couple of occasions. He's think, the interesting so. one, isn't he? So, like,
2: especially when you consider Leighton Baines's future, you know, his yeah. contract... Is still up in the air. We don't know whether he's going to be offered a new one at this stage or, yeah. or what. So like, it could be the case that Everton kind of need Robinson to step up and be that backup left yeah. back for like for if Luka Dean does get injured or sent off again or or what. So you know there could be a, a bit of int- increased pressure on him next season, mm. which would be a bit interesting.
3: Gav? Any, on the Kudu, really? Yeah, I can't think of anybody else on loan who would like to want come to bring back. back yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you know, you could make a case for Vlasich mm. as Adam says, but I can't really. You've got to ask you a question: Why are they on loan? <laughs> you know, reasons. reasons, but yeah, I'd they, argue Vlasich is on loan to
2: get the opportunities yeah. that he wouldn't have got at yeah. Everton this season.
3: Collectively, as a group, though, mm. you yeah, you could say oh, that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 there might be some individuals. I'd say slightly different, but. Onyakura is, is one you would definitely like to have a look at, wouldn't you, really? But mm. there's obviously a lot of red tape involved in that. Indeed. Uh,
1: right, okay, before we finish, um, the floor is going to be Prenos, as he tells you huh. about a very special documentary that he's seen, uh, which will be aired after the Everton game on Saturday, Prenos and BT. Sorry. Yeah,
0: it's on at nine o'clock on Saturday night on a BT Sport one. It's called Two Tribes, and it's um, I think the subhead is uh, How Football Saved a City and uh, it it is, it's for, for people, myself and Gavin's age, who obviously, you know, sort lived through that era. It's, it's an, a nostalgic look back um, as an era when Everton and Liverpool dominated uh, the football scene at home and abroad. But perversely, in an era when Liverpool as a city was suffering some of the worst, you know, problems uh, and bleak outlook it had ever had. Uh, we had the Toxteth riot in 1981. We had unemployment at, uh, you know, so 20%, one in five of the Liverpool population was unemployed. Um, the... Tory government at the time actually discussed the managed decline of the city and you know there was a real them and us attitude in the city them you know so them you know so being the establishment and us you know so being scousers together and it sounds a bit twee that but it genuinely happened Everton and Liverpool fans did come together so many times in that era and this whole 81 minute documentary examines it it talks to everybody who has played through it Graham Sharp, Steve McMahon Mark Lawrenson uh, Peter Reid, who's great. And, uh, Derek Hatton uh, has a lot to do with it. Lord Hesseltine, or Michael Hesseltine, you know, so, uh, is in there. Pete Wiley, very, very entertaining. Pete Hooton, loads and loads of characters. And, you know, th- there's plenty of Football Archive stuff in there, but most of it is about the, uh, the socio-political, you know, sort of era. And, you know, so how Liverpool as a city basically wouldn't take the the crap that was getting thrown at them lying down and how they fought back. I mean, a lot of things that I'd forgotten about as well. I mean, what a cultural explosion that decade was. Uh, The music from that decade was incredible. There was one statistic that you threw out was with the top 40 one particular week had 18 of the top 40 bands were scousers. Mm -hmm. And if you think about the the dramas that were created then, you know, Boys from the Black Stuff, Educating Greta. Grange Hill, Brookside, you know, so it's just like this cultural explosion by, you know, so sort of Liverpool playwrights. So it examines that whole era. It's, it really is well put together. Andy Wells directed it, a guy called Kaj Sohal is his exec- executive producer. And I was fortunate enough to get invited to um, a premiere at the Everyman Cinema uh, in town on Monday night. And it got standing ovation at the end. Everybody really enjoyed it. Um, it, it was just... Quite emotionally draining in parts as well, you know. So, looking back on, you know, so what we endured, you know, so in that era, I was fortunate, I was one of the few that did get a job, you know, so fairly quickly. I got my first job in journalism in 1983 and, uh, you know, so joined the post in Echo in 87. So, you know, I, was, I wasn't I was one that had to go and join the Dole Q. Gav, you worked in the Dole office, didn't yeah, you? yeah, so, yeah, you know, yeah. You knew Absolutely. what it
3: was like then, yeah, visit officer, which there's challenges, but uh, <laughs> you saw that close hands, you know, what i yeah. was saying. Uh, yeah, it was. It, it on on the pitch, it was it, it was eighty five to eighty seven. It was the first time the same two teams had finished in the top two for three yeah. consecutive years in English football history. So on the pitch, it was um, it, it was just, you know for me personally, at, you know sort of peak years of watching and shall we say being a social animal. It was just I count myself very yeah. very lucky that that just coincided with. You know, sort of like what were in my like years and those aspects and on, on the pitch it was just wonderful, as just, as as we've said many times before and lots of other people said, but it is that, that strange thing of how that coexisted with the decline of the city, which had been going on before the 80s, to be fair. And it's thirty five years since the the milk Cup final went yeah. this this week, this isn't week, it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, which was the first meeting between the two under the Twin Towers, and there was that chance of Merseyside.
0: side, wasn't um, it? I tell you what jumped of, out as well uh, in this documentary, which I'd forgotten about at the time. I think it might have been, visit the 89 FA Cup final? And uh, the Duchess of Kent is uh, stood pitch side to greet the other teams as they do. And uh, they started singing the national anthem. And it just got drowned out <laughs> yeah. by a chance of. I think initially it was Merseyside, and you can see her face visibly thinking, "What's going on here?" And because yeah. again, it was anti-establishment. Mm-hmm. I think. I
3: think the other observation was to say about the eighty four League Cup final was it not? It not happened before. I think where two rivals from the same city played each other at, at Wembley, and especially coming down from up north, shall we say? Um, and I think there was genuine fear that actually there could be like. A, a bit of trouble here, yeah, you know. Um well, we always event- we always
0: felt that the uh, the had yeah. been fixed to prevent that happening because yeah. they feared
3: trouble uh, everton Liverpool Cup at, bar, Yeah, because we always got through against each other yeah. in the semi-final, didn't we? And and I think there was genuine fear actually the cup of the Scouts' the reputation at the time, you know, I was going to be allowed lots of hassle, and and in in reality it was the opposite. It was one it was yeah. one of Wembley's more better behaved, more uplifting occasions, to be honest with you. Yeah, both uh you know, neutrals and and for fans, and and I think as, as being a supporter, that's still my best best memory being support I think the 84, 84 league Cup fan yeah, yeah, it, it was, was so I mean, that
0: that features significantly in the yeah. film, as you'd imagine. And uh, you know, I went down to that game in a car with mates, two Liverpool fans, two Blues fans, and yeah. you know, and there was never a suggestion that you were going to split up before the game. Nah. You know, you just drank in the same pubs as everybody else, and you know, the, the Merseyside Merseyside chant. John Bailey talks about that as being a moment he'll take to his grave, and it, it was strange I don't know why it happened it was like spontaneous and they actually talk what I didn't know that you know, picture you've seen so many times of the players getting together on the pitch and you know posing Yeah, that wasn't stunted or that wasn't you know so preordained apparently they just like joined each other on a lap of honor around the pitch and talking because they knew each other they were pals off the pitch and, uh, you know, Steve McMahon and Peter Reid were there on Monday drinking gallons of red wine together. And yet yeah, they kicked lumps out of each other. And the Q&A afterwards, you know, they were there kicking lumps out of each other verbally as well, which was quite entertaining. But they talked about, I don't know how, they were just walking together. A photographer said, hey, guys. And they said, yeah. So they just like basically got together linked arms and created that iconic picture just almost spontaneously because of, like, the links that they had, which in turn was forged by the links that the supporters had off the pitch. Uh, John Bailey was man of the match, by the way, wasn't he? I, I thought, yeah, I thought he was... Maybe, maybe Neville, I thought, but says yeah, Evans' yeah. best player, I thought, yeah. yeah.
3: never' made a few good saves, but I thought John Bailey was...
0: Saved. And they actually admit, Mark Lawrence admits that Alan Hansen did handle Agent Heath's shot off the line. <laughs> no, he had anyway, but, you know, so it actually came from a no. player that knows.
3: I, I, I can only say how lucky I was. You know, how lucky he was to be at exact exactly right his age, both totally and mat and mat going. We didn't appreciate it at the experience time, did we? No, it's to only with to, uh, so to, to, to
0: live through that era, you know. And what what the actual film ends on is uh, you know without you know issuing a spoiler or anything, but saying you know so was it really worth it going through that era? As so you look at the, where the city is now, you know so clearly what happened then contributed to where the city is now. So clearly it did make a difference.
1: Okay, so you can watch that following the uh, Everton game with West Ham, when the score will be Adam. 2-0 to Everton.
3: Yeah. i have not lost three on the bounce to West Ham since 1931 and I don't yes, anticipate go. that to uh, continue so I'm going to go with 2-0. I, yes, I think I think looking good for the rest of the season based on the Chelsea win.
0: Fair West Ham are a strange team. You know, they, they can really turn it on uh, but Huddersfield scored three against them last time out so I'm, I'm confident we're going to see a 3-1 a Everton away but we're not keeping a clean sheet.
3: Can just say by the way? Yes, BT Sports, Saturday, 5.30pm, is not necessarily the best time to watch it. No, heaven, yeah, 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 yeah. You I just have these, these things about, <laughs> uh, you know, being in several podcasts talking about a Saturday night game on BT Sport, and way We've got a pasting, you know, mm. so uh, hopefully that'll change on... Uh,
1: Saturday. Yeah, I'm hopeful of a uh, slender 1-0 victory for the Blues, but uh, thank you very much, Chaps, for joining me and thank you very much for listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. You can rate, review and subscribe to us on iTunes and the ACAST app, so please do so. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.